0: This is episode 25 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today we are looking at articles that deal with EMP preparedness for the non prepper and for the prepper, bugging out versus full time retreat, and also the most powerful antiseptics you can make at home. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before I get started, I want to give a couple of shouts out. Uh, Yesterday, I was on uh, with James of IamLiberty.com on the Prepper Broadcasting Network, and I was on his on his uh, podcast. I am Liberty, and we were on there. It's a live it's a live podcast, so that's kind of you know nerve wracking sometimes when you realize you're on there and uh, people are gonna you know you can't stop and edit things out and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I've been on there before, and it, it's always been great fun. James James does a, a good job, and he's got a he's got a neat community over there. Um, while you're while you're doing the podcast. Uh, You can also be interacting with the people that are in the chat room. So I think that's kind of cool. And uh, so, you know, they're they're throwing out questions or they're saying stuff and you can respond back to them while you're also talking. And we talked a little bit about uh, OPSEC. We talked about, um, you know, preparedness, uh, family preparedness versus like community preparedness when it, if it was all to break down and I mean we talked a lot you know mostly we were starting to talk about the the podcast and we talked about that a little bit and and that came up that was probably the main reason but it just kind of it, it it was kind of it was really cool actually because we were just kind of like talking you know and uh that's always I think those are always the best interviews where you're just kind of going and there's no real questions that you're, you're you're trying to follow or a script that you're trying to follow. You're just asking questions. You're kind of bouncing off of each other. And it's kind of like friends talking. And so uh, it was a neat podcast, and, and it's about an hour long. I'm going to link to it in the episode 25 show notes. I'm also linking to it on Prepper website, so you'll see that as well there. Uh, my interview with I Am Liberty or with James from I Am Liberty. And I also want to give a big shout out to Dell over at Dell and Lisa over at survivalistprepper.com. They uh, they gave me a little shout out on their on their latest podcast Large and Small Scale Escape and Evasion Tactics for for Preppers and uh, I really do appreciate it. I can actually I see an increase in just the numbers. Um we've been you know the the numbers have been climbing uh every single day, which is man is is great. And I'm very appreciative of it. But doing the podcast with James and then uh the shout out from Dell and Lisa. I know they have a big community over there at Survivalist Prepper. And so they um you know, I, I've seen the numbers kind of jump today, and so uh, that's very exciting for me. I, I greatly appreciate that. And so I will also link to this, uh, to their podcast, Large and Small Skill Escape and Evasion Tactics for Preppers. You know, one of the things that Dell does, he does a real good job of, uh, is he actually has almost an article for his show notes. Uh, he that's like really detailed stuff man i'm like uh, i just kind of list out the uh the articles and link to them so he does it's almost a a whole article within itself within this podcast so i'm going to link to that on episode 25 show notes so if you want to go check that out you can do that and get to uh survivalist prepper it's i'm sorry it's survivalistprepper.net not.com survivalistprepper.net sorry about that uh, I'm going to link to that but, and I'm also going to put it on Prepper website. Uh, it'll be on there Friday evening and uh, post on. So it'll be Friday evening, Saturday. Uh, it'll show up there, but that's definitely something. And if you're not listening to, to their podcast, definitely you want to check them out. He He always has really good stuff. So, um, and, and like there's so many other great, uh, that was one of the things I was talking about with James on I Am Liberty. Like I couldn't do a podcast like everybody else does a podcast because there's so many people doing good jobs where they just get a topic and they just, you know, they run with it. I don't feel like I could ever do something like that. Uh, I don't have the time to, to put in the research that they do and to come up with all the, the, the kind of like the information that they do. Uh, they do. They do such a great job. Uh, and, but I, I do feel that the, um, Prepper Website Podcast is, is providing a need out there and reading these articles. And I do have some really great articles today. Uh, I think this is going to be a popular episode uh, just with the content that's here. And so, you know, on Fridays, I always pull one from the archives, so I really pulled one that I think that everyone's going to you know, want to go look at and check out, and I have a, a couple of good ones here. So let's go ahead and get started. The first one comes to us from modernsurvivalblog.com, and the title is EMP Preparedness for the Non-Prepper and for the Prepper. So let's go ahead and start reading this one. I was recently emailed the question, I am working on a paper which is based around EMP attack probabilities and what to do if one were to occur. What would you suggest to do in such a situation for someone who is not a prepper, also for the prepper? What would you suggest they stock up on in this scenario? Here's my response. What to do in an EMP situation for someone who is not a prepper? If by situation, quote, that was quote, if by quote unquote situation, you mean after the fact, after an EMP, I would suggest for the non-prepper to adapt as quickly as possible to the probable reality that the modern world without the power grid, internet, and all else electronic is going to be very difficult, if not impossible to survive. By definition, a non-prepper has not prepared and therefore likely does not possess the mindset, knowledge, or skills to survive an EMP catastrophe. That said, a non-prepper's best bet is to realize and accept the situation for what it is, most will not be able to come to grips with this, and to begin a rapid and honest assessment of their present situation. It may be initially difficult to even know that the event, quote, Quote unquote event was an EMP for a non-prepper because most non-preppers don't even know what an EMP is or what the symptoms may be. Presuming though that this particular non-prepper knows that an EMP has just brought down our modern high-tech civilization, then hopefully this person also knows that the likelihood of survival for most will be grim. What should the non-prepper do at this point? If they're lucky, they will have a willing prepper friend that will accept them into their group. This, however, may be unlikely, depending on the variables of the situation. What type of person the non-prepper is, their assets, what they can or cannot do to help the group, etc. There will be many preppers who will not accept a non-prepper into their group after the event. This will vary, of course, but don't count on it. Hint, most farmers are themselves preppers of a sort, even though they may not call themselves preppers. Do you have a relative or friend on a farm? Sounds like a better place to be than suburbia, although there will soon be security issues at the farm. That said, a non-prepper will be pretty much in very deep trouble in this scenario. Priorities will be acquiring a source of drinking water, safe shelter, food, and security. An EMP of sufficient magnitude and detonation altitude will presumably destroy much, most, or all electronics, Below. This essentially will mean that nearby nearly all goods and services will come to a grinding halt. Modern civilization as we know it will end. How will anyone, including the non prepper, survive something like this for long? What should a prepper stock up on in preparation for an EMP? Wow. That's not something that is easily listed in a short blog post. An EMP event is pretty much a worst case scenario and to survive a long lasting impact of grid down and a damaged destroyed electronics infrastructure will require a lifestyle change ahead of time such that transitioning into a world without electricity or high tech will be adaptable. This will be very difficult even for the proper. The sheer magnitude of providing year round sustainability is lost more than most think. While you may have a water source nearby, although many will not, procuring food enough to sustain oneself for a long period of time will require tremendous effort. The right land, climate, food preservation techniques and the right food choices to sustain human life for such a time. Additionally, security will become an extreme issue in a very short period of time. It will become extreme in the worst case hypothetical scenario, especially dependent upon where you live. And it will be difficult to maintain superiority defending one's castle under the ensuing chaos of the EMP aftermath. Desperate people doing desperate things as well as organized efforts to take. Tip. Read and search this blog for all sorts of information on preparedness. EMP category on Modern Survival blog. Conclusion. Hopefully my short answer above will inspire the questioner to dig deeper. For someone who is concerned about EMP preparedness, I would suggest to start with the basics. Why? Because you will quickly become overwhelmed as you discover the magnitude of survival during the aftermath of such an Armageddon. You might choose a quick fix by purchasing a ready-made large quantity of survival food. See our advertisers listed on the right hand side of this page. There is nothing wrong with that. However, there will be other very big issues to deal with too. Assuming that you have acquired enough food and have a nearby water source, your biggest immediate subsequent problem will be maintaining a safe shelter, a safe home. Are you prepared to defend that? How? And then, assuming that you survive the initial die-off and chaos, how will you sustain yourself and or your family with enough food production throughout an entire year? What happens when your fuel runs out? How will you heat your house, etc., etc.? Not a pretty picture. So don't overwhelm yourself. Start somewhere. Start small if you must. Just start. Tip read this book for further motivation one second after. Okay, so there are um, 94, you know, over at Ken, over at Modern Survival uh, blog, has, uh, has a great community over there. So, like, there's 94 comments already. So, you want to go uh, check those out. And a lot of the times, it's good information. Um, a short article for dealing with a very, very big question. Um, what I would do is, if I was trying to deal with a non-prepper, I mean, there's no way on, on the other side of an EMP, like, you know, how, how should a non-prepper prepare? It's kind of like, it, it, it's like a non-question, because there's no way that there would be thinking about it anyway. However, if someone did, if you if you did want to get someone thinking about it, and really, kind of like, wow, this is this would be crazy. I would do what Ken suggested here and have them read one second after. Not too long into that book, you'll they'll be gripped and they'll be all into it and they'll be freaking out, right? Uh, they'll be they'll be in a kind of a state of panic for a little while afterwards, realizing what an EMP can do and how that changes everything. And so I mean, that's what I would do if if I was wanting to get someone to get kind of kind of turned on, although it's a big, big freakout, do that and then let you know talk to them about the e m p commission or the the commission that studied the e m p uh, you know situation, the one that came out at the same time that the nine eleven commission uh brought you know brought out all that information that e m p commission didn't get any real uh, uh publicity because of the nine one one uh, commission information and so and, you know, it's sad when you think about that this country for just a little bit of money uh, compared to our national debt and stuff could uh, secure our electrical grid but they haven't and that just does not make sense to me and that doesn't make sense to a lot of people I know in the past when people have talked about EMP or when they've talked about preparedness they say I'm preparing for an EMP because that would cover everything and uh, like, kind of like what Ken Kim, Kim suggested here um, preparing for an EMP is very, very overwhelming. Um, you want to start building systems into your life. You want to start with food, you want to start with water, you want to start you know with sanitation, you want to start with the basic things and move out from there. If an EMP happens, er- everything changes and you know that it's crazy. Um, people always say, well, you know, we would go back to the the, you know, the, 1800s or whatever, and people survived back then. The problem is that they, they had skills that we don't have. They had skills, they, they knew how to do stuff that's lost to many people today. And uh, so that's that's why preppers are always talking about skills, building skills, building know-how. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, a non-prepper would probably want to do is go somewhere and find a ton of books, find a ton of books on survival, find a ton of books on on uh, living in the old pioneer days. You know, go to the library, read that. You know, <laughs> whatever. You know, uh, books would, that would have knowledge on how to do some of these. These things, and that's why a lot. of That's why preppers they love their books. Uh, they love their electronic books, but they also love their real hard, you know, hard copy books. Uh, and and that's you know that's one of the big deals that that uh, a lot of people talk about. Definitely, I know that if there's a book uh, that that I feel is going to be important, and I would want it if let's just say that I didn't have my computer or I didn't have my tablet. I usually buy it in a hard a hard copy so that I can uh, have that just in case. All right, so a uh, good good article. Just kind of thinking, and you know, one of the things that I would recommend to you is what would you what would you tell a prepper or a non-prepper if if you were talking about EMP? What would you suggest to them? What would you bring up to them? Sometimes it's a good idea to kind of think through those kinds of things and uh, you know come up with an idea. Of, you know, what would you say? Well, how would you have responded? to this person who sent this email. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the next one. This comes to us from the American Readout. Um, They're actually, um, they do uh, sell property and retreat property and stuff like that, but they're also putting out some really great articles. Uh, One of the articles that I posted on Prepper website on Trump uh, it did i mean it was very very popular, and there was a lot of click outs to that and uh, in communication with uh, uh todd he one of the the guys over there at the, at the American readout website um, it's funny his name 's Todd uh, he uh you know we talked a little bit through email and uh, they've got some great content out there. So what I would say is this this article, the, the articles that they're putting out are like super, super long. That's one thing that I told them. I'm like, man, if I read your article, was like, there's no way. If I read this article, this article is 10,000 words. I, I actually copied it and, and put it into a document just so I could see how many words it was because it was just so many. So there's no way that I could read all of that. So I'm going to read a portion of it. And I'm going to read a couple of points Uh, in the middle of it and then definitely you want to go to the prepper website podcast.com episode 25 and link to this one Uh, it's also been linked on prepper website so uh, you could get to it that way but uh, good information here some some things to think about and so like i said i'm going to read a good portion of it and then i'm going to highlight some other things uh, that i think are are good and then uh, if you're like totally interested which i think you might be i'm pretty sure you will be You you want to go check this out. So come just bouncing right off of the EMP one, going right into bugging out and full-time retreat. Again, coming to us from uh, theamericanreadout.com. So let's go ahead and read this one. Introduction to bugging out to the readout, dreams versus reality. Don't be the last out without a destination. Welcome to your nightmare. Solar storms, nuclear EMP, or derivatives crash, Any one of these could trigger a national or worldwide socioeconomic collapse on a scale nobody has ever seen, with the subsequent destruction of life, liberty, and property almost unimaginable. Out of the smoke and stench of the collapse, one nasty fact remains, not living full-time at a retreat will, will require bugging out. It's just a matter of time. The journey for most will be long and treacherous. It may take weeks, months, or even years and may result in injury or casualties to the group. However, only those who are prepped, trained, and have an up-to-date evacuation plan with a viable destination will be successful. We will try and help you create a bug-out plan, bug-out bags, and cover the basics of retreat selection by using an easy outline that forces you to thoroughly think through this critical aspect of survival. Bugging out may be one of the most discussed topics in the survival and preparedness world, topped only by everyone's favorite genre, firearms. Every day there are new articles about bugging out, the best bag, fire starters, communication gear, flashlights, compass, etc. Rarely though does the topic of the evacuees' route, planning, and destination come to the forefront of the discussions. Most folks think they can just make up the route as they go with a handful of maps and a bit of luck. Not so. Let's take a look at what some preppers dream about as they drift off to sleep at night. The bug out dream. Buy a small parcel of land halfway across the country with all your friends. Build the coolest bug out bags ever conceived and wait for the mushroom clouds to appear. One day it happens. In a magnificently coordinated evacuation, everyone rides off into the sunset, arriving unscathed at the fully self-sustaining retreat a few days later, having fought through several zombie roadblocks. The group survives the collapse and all ends well. You write a book about your adventure and become famous the world over. The end. Now let's wake up in a cold sweat when reality hits. The gut-wrenching reality. The lights go out for good. Too much time passes before realizing it's not just another rolling blackout. The time to go safely has passed. Group members are scattered all over the city with several key members out of town on business, unable to make it back. Stress and panic reign as 2,000 pounds of equipment fail to fit into all conceived bug-out vehicles and trailers because there isn't a destination with pre-positioned supplies. One member breaks down and decides to ride it out in their basement. Your own children tell you you're crazy and sit in the front yard in defiance because you won't bring the PlayStation 4. Fear then turns to anger and rage. Traveling westward towards no man's land the next morning, the truck runs out of fuel on a lonely back road while trying to circumvent the next chaotic metropolitan area. After abandoning the vehicle and walking for three days, a hastily constructed checkout checkpoint is slided 100, sighted 100 meters past a turn in the road that was not correctly scouted. Unfortunately, a ruthless street gang has set it up and the prepper's demise is all but sealed, the real end. It's time to take stock of where you are right now. How many preppers have built a bug out bag or a go bag, retrofitted an EMP proof truck, and have a basement full of supplies, a basic evacuation plan, yet no destination to strive to reach? If we took a survey, probably more than 95% are not fully prepared. This is not good. Is it the end of the world if your family doesn't own a retreat? Of course not. The reality is that most preppers can't afford a separate, fully operational retreat, and that's okay. However, not having a prearranged destination of some kind with prepositioned supplies is simply not acceptable. Even a friend's or relative's home in the country, or a group purchase of a retreat, or a small parcel of land with a stream and cash supplies is better than nothing. There are several aspects to every successful bug out. The first is actually leaving your current location on time and traveling to your destination. The second is the destination itself. This article will cover the basic bug out plan in two parts. Part 1 will cover the plan outline and the following part 2 will cover the destination and survival retreat search and acquisition. Welcome to part 1 of our feature series, Bugging Out to the American Redoubt: Dreams vs. Reality part one the bug out plan to cover the bug out the bug out part we have coined an easy acronym use it use it so you're never last out and just a little side note here last out is the acronym and it stands for location alternate routes supplies timing observation uniformity and transportation so like i said there's a lot here i'm going to go ahead and scroll down uh, and I wanted to continue reading with timing and observation. And I think uh, the rest of this is something that you definitely need to go. There's a lot of uh, links here uh, that you want to go check out. A lot of good information. Uh, but again, uh, like I said, you want to you want to come to this website and check it out. Um, okay, so let me get to timing. Timing, as they say, is everything. Timing will dictate who arrives to leave with you the routes you choose on your way out, and of course, if you can leave at all. Timing from the start of the event to ascertain when full public knowledge will hit causing the breakdown of local order is paramount. How many people sat and watched a few blocks away as the towers fell on 9-11 and ultimately died because they were too close to the destruction and were hit by debris? How many more will perish in the next local, regional, or national disaster by watching the events unfold? Too shocked to move. Remember, it's better to be a few minutes, hours, or even years too early than a second too late. Living in, Miami in, uh, living in Miami and own a retreat in Montana? Congratulations. But you better leave early or else be a pilot. Storing up sick and vacation days that can be used at the last minute can be key. There may be times that the handwriting seems to be appearing on the wall. If those days off are used on events that don't ultimately materialize, it allows a return to life as normal without quitting a job in haste. Additionally, dry runs make great training. One day it'll pay off as the collapse deepens quickly and you're a day ahead of the stagnant freeways filled with zombies rather than seconds too late. One day the event may be upon us in a split second, but all the training pays off in a well executed bug out mission. One never knows, but that's half the fun of being a prepper, right? Observation and Intel In conjunction with timing is intelligence gathering and observing your surroundings. It can be hard to keep the big picture in mind as the world crumbles before your eyes. Step away from the here and now, relax, and take a moment to see the world around you. Observing everything from traffic flow to the actions of people on the street will help determine if this is the event. That requires activation and implementation of the bug-out plan. In such accurate intelligence, I'm sorry. In such accurate intelligence from any inside sources working in various sectors of our society will be invaluable. Our members of the group, law enforcement uh, officers, firefighters, or paramedics, ER doctors on active military duty in the financial business, or any other job that may receive inside information early on about certain unfolding threats? If not members of the group or close outside friends, are there neighbors who may feel an obligation to let inside information and warnings slip out? Are these neighbors quietly packing up and leaving? Excessive pride in your network, group, and plans that have been created can lead you to miss fine details that would otherwise warn of impending doom. Keeping eyes and ears open so the boots can move fast when the intel points to the green light is key when living in perilous times and locales. Remember, you're not as good as you think you are, especially when the first bullet rips past your head. As you move along your evacuation route, obtaining intel will be key, so try and converse with anyone who looks like they have information, if it's safe to do so. What's to be learned here? Fast and accurate situational observation, awareness, and intelligence gathering is key to activating the evacuation plan and bugging out before the golden horde realizes what's happening. The sooner one leaves, the farther the final destination can be. Again, the sooner one leaves, the farther the final destination can be. If only one fact from this article is remembered, let it be that. And so that's that's kind of where I'm going to end there with this article and I thought that timing and observation and intel are the are are really important situations. And so that's one reason why you want to kind of stay aware of what's going on. That's why the alternative media is very very important to preppers. Um, that's why I have uh, a whole page on prepper website filled with alternative media uh, feeds. Um, actually that is the second most popular page on Prepper website other than the front page uh, and the mobile page is that alternative news hub uh, page. Uh, People see the the value in that. And one thing that I also do, and I thought about maybe doing an article on this at one point, maybe I'll do a video. Uh, But one of the things that I do is uh, I monitor Twitter. And so people will, uh, they'll you know, they, they want to be followed on Twitter. So they'll follow me on Twitter and then they'll unfollow me and then they'll follow me because they're wanting me to follow them. So they're kind of like, hey, I'm here, follow me. But what I have done for Twitter is uh, I have a personal that I use for work and ministry and, and things like that. But for the Prepper website, what I do is uh, monitor news outlets. And so you'll see I have a very small amount of uh, People that I follow, but they're all within the news somehow, and and I'm listening to them or I'm I'm watching them. I, I hit Twitter on a regular basis. If I um if I have uh, a few minutes and I'm just kind of you know waiting, even if I'm waiting in line at the store, I might bring up Twitter and just see kind of if anything is happening because there Twitter I mean Twitter things will hit on Twitter. Hours before it gets to the news, you know, to the to your news on the television. Uh, I've seen things happen on Twitter, you know, hours before it happened on Fox News. So I'll be in my living room, and I see something on Twitter, and I'm like, all right, so let me turn on the TV. I'll turn it on Fox. Or I'll turn it on, you know, I'll switch between channels, and you know, they're not talking about it at all, you know. And part of that is they're tr- probably trying to um, make sure um, to to make sure that it's accurate information and all that kind of stuff because you know on the internet. All kinds of crazy things go out, but for the most part, if a lot of people are behind it, it's very possible that it is true. And so um, that's one way that I stay abreast on things. One thing, one way that I kind of like, you know, make sure that I know what's going on, not only in in my local, because I follow a couple of local area uh, news organizations, and also like the police. Uh, the city of Houston has alerts that they put out. Um, so, I follow them, but i'm also following i'm looking at the world and all the things that are going on around there and I, you know I think that's very very important so um that's just that's one thing that I do, but i'm also always checking out alternative news and you know making sure I stay on top of it. I very rarely watch television news anymore I just you know don't uh, don't even go there anymore um, uh, to me it's just junk. But anyway, go check out this article at the American Readout. They have some, uh, they're putting out great information. Uh, and uh, so, you know, when I talked with Todd, he said some of the other articles that they're, they're going to put out are not going to be as long. I will definitely read them in full. Um, but uh, a lot of good information there. So just with what I read, you know that that was good. Go check out the rest of that article. All right. So on Fridays, I always pull, I try to pull an article from the archives that, um, that's a good one. And uh, that I want to bring bring out. Because, you know, there's always, it, the, the sad thing about it is that there's there's great content out there. And sometimes you see it once and then it's, it, it's forgotten. Uh, one thing that you do want to, if you're ever looking up for a, a specific topic, you want to go to the Tag Cloud on Prepper website. And I'm going to put that in, the, in the, the, the show notes of episode 25. But if you ever go to Prepper website, on the top right-hand corner, uh right right above the the links and the advertisements on the on the right hand side corner there's a little drop down and you can do that drop down menu and go to where it says prepping topics click that and then hit okay or go and it'll take you to the tag cloud so every article that's ever been posted on Prepper website has been tagged in one way or the other and so you can go there and you will find sometimes pages and pages and pages of articles that have been posted on Prepper website and so uh, the sad thing to me is some of those uh, some of those articles are no longer uh, active because people have closed down their websites and stuff like that. So uh, that's kind of sad to me that websites do you know they do close down. They cost money. People uh, you know people stop they're the interest or they have family things that go on and all kinds of stuff, all kinds of things happen. But, uh, that, that happens. But for the most part, there's tons of information uh, on there that you want to. So I'm going to go ahead and link to that. And I link to that pretty often on Prepper website. Uh, people, people, that's probably the, maybe like the third or fourth most popular page on Prepper website is that tag cloud. Uh, cause you can find so much great information. So this article that I found is called the most powerful antiseptics you can make at home. So we're talking about bugging out and we're talking about EMPs. and We're talking about, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, there might be a time where you have to make uh, some antiseptics at home. And so these can be done very easily with household items. Um, this was a popular, if I remember correctly, this was a popular article back in the day and I think it's going to be a popular article again just because we're kind of bringing it up and and giving you some information and you're definitely like all the other articles you're going to want to visit because there's links to it but you're going to have the recipes and and uh, ways of making it here so you want to come check this one out on uh, episode 25 you want to link to this one this comes to us from prepperswill.com Again, the article is titled, The Most Powerful Antiseptics You Can Make at Home. We're going to talk about three of them. Let's go ahead and start this one. Um, When it comes to self-healing during an emergency situation, having the proper knowledge and putting it to good use is worth more than any survival item you can think of. The powerful antiseptics listed in this article can be made at home and they will help you treat your wounds when medical aid is not available. Treating wounds with alternate... Healing methods is a skill that was developed under adverse circumstances when medical aid was in short supply. Our forefathers perfected the art of self-healing, and the powerful antiseptics listed below are in use even today. Some corporations have turned them into commercial solutions for profit, but the basic ingredients remain the same. The top three powerful antiseptics you can make at home. First one is Dakin's Solution. Dakin solution is an antiseptic solution developed during World War I to treat infected wounds. It is a viable solution that is being used even today and it's a perfect homemade antiseptic for preppers and survivalists. Dakin's solution contains sodium hypochlorite, common household bleach, and water. It was discovered by Henry Drysdale Dakin, a brilliant English chemist that helped save the lives of thousands of soldiers during World War I. Dakin solution is prepared by passing chlorine into a solution of sodium hydroxide or sodium carbonate. It can be used on humans without any risk, and it can also be used on animals. How to make Dakin solution? You will need the following equipment. A sterile jar with a sterile lid, a clean pan with lid and sterile measuring spoons and cups. As for the ingredients, you will need water, baking soda, and bleach. You should already have these ingredients in your home as they are basic emergency preparedness supplies. Once you have all the equipment ready and you gather the needed ingredients, you should do the following to prepare Dakin solution. Measure out 32 ounces or 4 cups of tap water. Pour the water into the clean pan you prepared. Boil the water for 15 minutes with the lid on the pan. Remove the pan from the heat. Using the sterile measuring spoon, add half a teaspoon of baking soda to the boiled water. Now it's time to add bleach and complete the Dakin solution. You can make one of several strengths and you should measure bleach according to the chart below. So the chart has full strength, 3 ounces or 95 milliliters, half strength, 3 tablespoons plus half teaspoon or 48 milliliters, a fourth strength or quarter strength is 1 tablespoon plus 2 teaspoons or 24 milliliters and an eighth strength. Uh, or 1 strength is 2 and a half teaspoons or 12 to 14 milliliters. Once the Dakin solution is done, place it in the sterile jar and close it tightly with the lid. You should label the jar and write the date and time when the Dakin solution was made. You should store Dakin solution at room temperature, tightly sealed, and away from light. Read more about Dakin solution. So there is a um, there is a link that you can go to here. So uh, there are a couple of comments in the comment section. Uh, somebody did recommend that you use distilled water instead of tap water um, because um, you know tap water is already going to be coming with a lot of minerals. And depending on your water, uh, distilled water is not going to have any of that. So I think that that's a good recommendation there on the, on this one. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. It's Sugar dyne. Sugardine is another one of the powerful antiseptics you can make at home without much hustle and you should already have the ingredients if you are preparedness minded. This is a home remedy of the old ways that uses the antibacterial properties of sugar and iodine to prevent and kill infections. It was initially developed by our grandparents as a primary method to treat abscesses and thrush on the hooves of horses. However, only a few people know that this homemade antiseptic is also effective for humans. It is cheap and easy to make, and it is a perfect solution for preppers and survivalists. Just like Dakin's solution, this homemade antiseptic is a proven healing method, and and science backs it up. How to make sugar dime. To make this homemade antiseptic, you will need table sugar and 10% 10 providine, iodine, or betadine, although it's more expensive. Remember that when you make Sugardine, it's best to start with an amount of sugar close to the amount of Sugardine you need and slowly add the providine or betadine until you get the thick texture. The texture of Sugardine should be similar to the one of peanut butter. Here are the steps to follow. Mix one part, 10% betadine or providine iodine with sugar. Add more or less sugar to reach the desired consistency. It should be like thick honey when all mixed together. Put the sugardine on the wound or store it in a container for later use. You will have to stir the mixture now and then, but the amazing part is that it will never go bad. I have some that is two years old and even though the color changed, is darker, it's still usable. Read more about Sugardine. Honey and sugar mix. If you don't have bleach or iodine in your prep supplies, there is still a chance to make a homemade cure for wounds and all you need is honey and sugar. When it comes to powerful antiseptics that you can make at home, using a mix of honey and sugar on open wounds is probably the most ancient method of self-healing. The ancient Egyptians were the first to document this method, and the healing properties of sugar and honey are mentioned even in the Bible, Quran, and Torah. People around the world have used honey and sugar to cleanse and heal traumatic wounds, in particular gunshot wounds and battle injuries where a loss of flesh led to infections. How to use sugar and honey to treat wounds? You first have to make sure the wound has, the wound has stopped the bleeding and that it's very clean. Cayenne pepper can be applied to stop the bleeding, but I must warn you that it will sting like hell. You will then have to clean the wound with a mild soap and warm water or a saline solution. Pat the area dry until there is no moisture inside the wound. Honey and sugar react and bind with calcium and if calcium is not available because of bleeding no clot can form. Pour granulated sugar directly on the wound and make sure it gets down as deep into the wound as possible. Do not just sprinkle it on the surface and outer rim of the wound. If the wound is too large you need to apply honey first and then add sugar on top. You can mix sugar and honey until you make a thick paste. Cover the wound with a clean bandage and secure it with tape. The bandage will prevent the honey and sugar from leaking out and it will keep the wound protected from external debris and bacteria. Change the bandage and repeat the cleaning and sugar application once a day. You will have to do it more than once a day once per day when you notice the bandages are wet from the removal, removed fluid. Re- read more about treating wounds with sugar and honey. These powerful antiseptics are a good self-healing alternative for preppers and survivalists. Therefore, I recommend learning as much as you can about them. I am not a doctor and these are homemade remedies that I have tried on myself. You should research anything you read so you are assured of their use and the accuracy of the information provided. If it worked for me, it doesn't mean it can work for you as well. You might be allergic to some of the ingredients or you might not be you you might not use clean equipment or follow the right steps. Stay safe and God bless. All right, so like I said, there's a couple of comments there you might want to go ahead and check out. I think that's important. This this article is important. It might be one of those that you want to print out and you want to keep or at least you know, uh, print out the information on how to make it and the ingredients that you that you need to make it. But you definitely want to come check out Prepper's Will because there's a lot of uh, links that you're you're missing out if you don't if you don't do that. You know, when I was list, when I was uh, reading about the honey, I was thinking about an article that Survival Jane, some of y'all know her from uh, uh, from Twitter from Prepper Talk, when she she posted about using honey for her thumb. And uh, I'm, I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna go try to find that article and I'm gonna put it in the show notes because it was very, very amazing. Uh, she kept putting, uh, she had cut her thumb really, really bad. Uh, she didn't go to the doctor or whatever, but I mean, she cut off like a big chunk of it. And so she just kept doing honey and bandaging it and changing that out. And it was very, very remarkable, the healing that happened uh, with, with honey. So i'm gonna I'm pretty sure I can find it. Uh, I'm gonna go find it and I'm gonna link to it on uh, episode twenty five of uh, of the prepper Web, website podcast and so that you can go check it out too because that was uh, very, very interesting. and the power of honey' it's just amazing. If you don't have organic honey, you know local organic try to find someone in your area, we're very lucky. There's a guy who comes out to the corner. I know where his honeybees are. Uh, I know where the hives are. I've passed him before, uh, but he you know, he he comes out to a local corner and he just kinda sets up shop there and, and we're just able to go buy buy the honey from him and, and that's what we do. But if if you need a, a local source, I mean go, go go find one because there's nothing like true organic honey. Don't don't do the little bear thing. Uh don't do the little bear the honey bear thing from uh from the store. That's just that's not even that's not even honey. It's not even right. So anyway, all right. Man, that's, uh, that's it for this episode. We are, that's episode 25 in the books. I can't, I can't believe it. That's crazy. I'm having a lot of fun and I really do appreciate everybody's support, everybody subscribing and and coming to it. If you do, if you do get a chance, I'd love for you to go to, you know, Stitcher or, uh, iTunes and, and leave us a review. iTunes is really crazy because it's like you, they have to, you have to have a certain amount of reviews before they start showing up. And so I don't understand why that works like that. It looks like Stitcher. You can just go ahead, uh, you know, just start dropping reviews down there. So if you're going to Stitcher, uh, man, I'd appreciate that. Or, or iTunes, I'd appreciate it until we start showing up with reviews. I don't know. I don't know whenever that's going to happen. So uh, I'll, I'll, be, uh, I'll be happy and excited when that happens. Uh, just curious, to, you know, about that type of feedback for coming from iTunes. But uh, I've been getting a lot of good feedback from everybody else. And, I, again, I really do appreciate it. So if you get a chance, come by the website. Um, you can share out this episode you know, through all the social media channels that way. Or you can just come to the website and drop me a line. You know, drop a, a line in the comment section or you know, send me an email. Or you can hit me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, I'm, you know, I'd love to be able to connect with you on, on those social media accounts. All right, guys, that's it for this week. We will, we're taking a, a weekend break. I hope you get a break, too. Uh, those of you that are up north, I hope you get a break from the snow and all that stuff. Uh, those of you that are a little bit further down south, I hope you're enjoying the weather and I uh, hope you get some, some gardening in and some you know, seeds in the ground or some, uh, some plants into the ground and uh, you know, do something productive that will further your uh, self-reliance and also your preparedness. All right, until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.